What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Dad the Man podcast, the only show made to help you love and lead your family from the front, from this place of opportunity and fulfillment and excitement and passion, and all at the same time, still pursue your own personal and professional goals as well. That's a lot on the plate. That's a lot to balance, but that is the balance we're here to strike. That is the problem we're here to solve. That's our mission here. My name is Brendan Wall, and I am your host, and I want to first thank you so much for tuning in today. Whether you have listened to every step along the way, or if this is your first time tuning in, I want to thank you for dedicating your most precious resource, your time. I want to thank you for dedicating that to listening to this show. That's something that I take very seriously. My goal here is to provide the best return on your time and attention as I possibly can. I hope to steward that well. Thank you for being here. Thank you for supporting the show. Thank you for supporting this mission. So before we introduce this week's guest, I want to first give a quick plug for the Dad the Man Facebook group. You can find our free group for the men, husbands, and fathers who listen to the show. You can find us on Facebook. Go to the group section, search for Dad the Man. It will come up, or you can go to the link in the show notes on whatever platform you are listening to. It'll take you right there, totally free, no excuse not to join. You know, as men, husbands, and fathers, we face this unique set of circumstances, obstacles, challenges, however you want to look at it. But the cool thing is that as men, husbands, and fathers, we go through so many of the same things. Yet for some reason, we default to going at it alone, to being the lone wolf, to not asking for help, to being the guy who thinks they can carry it all on their shoulder. But why? Why would we do that? If there's other people going through the same things, why would you not join up with a band of brothers to lean on, to learn from, to pour into as well? I want to see you come join our team. I want to see you come join our Facebook group. Don't go at this alone. It's totally free. Like I said, there's no excuse for you to not join. Come check out the group. I want to see you in there soon. So today's guest is none other than Ryan Hardwick. So Ryan is a lifelong entrepreneur and owner of Mountain Motorsports, which is which now has dealerships all over the Southeast and is one of the largest retailers of recreational vehicles in the world. Ryan is also a professional race car driver, driving the number 16 Porsche GT3R for first form in the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship Series. He holds a few impressive wins, like the 2020 Sebring 12-hour race and the 2022 Rolex 24 Daytona, which he won after recovering from a devastating crash the year before, which led to a long road to recovery for himself physically. But he tells the story about what it was like to have this traumatic injury, to come back, to conquer, to win the race with his family there. It's a really cool story. So Ryan clearly has a passion for racing and anything with a motor. His current car collection contains various Lamborghinis, McLarens, Porsche 911s, Ford GTs, just to name a few. He even has a 1981 DeLorean time machine in there. It's incredible. And from starting Mountain Motorsports out of college to pursuing a racing career, quote unquote, later in life, Ryan is a guy who has never shied away from chasing his dreams. And above it all, he's an incredible man, husband and father, and it was an honor to host him on the show. So here's my conversation with the Ryan Hardwick. And we are live with sports car championship driver and entrepreneur, the one and only Ryan Hardwick. So Ryan, I want to first thank you so much for making some time for us today. Man, I'm super excited to have the opportunity to have you here on the show. I've been following you on Instagram for for a little while now, and you're a fun dude to follow. I love watching your approach to what it is you do. You are a master of your craft. Um, I've learned a lot just in following you and your approach. 
you're a fun dude to root for. And I'm super excited to have you here on the show, have the opportunity to chat with you a little bit. So with all that being said, again, thank you so much for making some time for us. Ryan Hardwick, welcome to the Dad the Man podcast. Uh, thanks for having me. I really, really appreciate it. And I love what you're doing here with your show. I think it's a very value add in today's society. I think you're doing a great job and uh, happy to be a part of it. Awesome, man. I appreciate you saying that. So to kick things off today, um, I like to wade in by going back in time. So if you don't mind telling us a little, about, a little bit about your childhood, who you were as a kid, siblings, family dynamic, what you were into, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, I, um, I grew up in East Tennessee, um, uh, just outside the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Uh, uh, a lot of people may be familiar with Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg's big tourism area. I grew up right around there and uh, um, uh, sports and uh, competing were a big part of my family uh, you know, for my entire life. And before that, my, both of my parents were professional athletes. They were uh, professional water skiers. They, they met water skiing. Uh, competing, you know, professionally. And then also they did it for a living. They um, were part of a, a water ski show, uh, which during the 70s and 80s was kind of a big deal. They had locations all around the world. They were water skiing uh, uh, in tourist destinations around the world. And that's what eventually brought them to Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. They were skiing in Tommy Bartlett's water ski show. And uh, so I have one sister and my sister and I, we grew up on a lake, uh, learned to water ski, obviously at a, at a young age and, um, and, and racing, how kind of I got involved with racing from a young age. My father, uh, was a, also really enjoyed riding dirt bikes and, uh, and he raced dirt bikes, uh, not really at a professional level, but you know, he was a pretty avid amateur, uh, dirt bike racer. And, um, so, I mean, from like age four, I was, I was riding dirt bikes and, uh, water skiing and, dirt bikes, you know, got into, we, you know, we went from riding to racing together and, uh, did uh, a lot of racing all during my, you know, kind of, you know, pre-teenager, teenager years and still do it today. And it's something that's a, that's a, a love of a sport that I've passed on to, to my sons now, both of them ride and, uh, and it's a sport that we enjoy doing together. And so I grew up around my dad a lot, man. I mean, we were, he was always involved with, Obviously, the things we did, it, it required a lot of a lot of hands on, you know, help from <laughs> from a father figure, whether, you know, it was dirt bikes. And um, then we also got into jet ski racing. I, I really got into jet ski racing. We were obviously on a lake growing up around water skiing and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, in the 80s uh, and then in the 90s, jet skiing got to be pretty popular. And, uh, you know, I was watching races on ESPN and uh, on Saturdays and I had a little jet ski. It wasn't very fast or anything, but I enjoyed riding it. And I, you know, I begged my dad to take me to a, a local regional race that came near our hometown in Tennessee. When I was about, uh, 13 years old, we went and, and watched the first race and I just thought it was the coolest thing, man. I mean, I, I was like, I, I was told my dad, I said, man, you know, as a 13 year old boy, I said, boy, we're messing up going to these dirt bike races, dad. There's like no girls at the dirt bike races. And I come here to this jet ski race and there's girls in bikinis and, <laughs> you, know, we're at, you know, we're at the water and this is awesome. So, uh, he, he supported my adventure into jet ski racing and, uh, we fixed up the little jet ski we had, put some parts on it, you know, and went to the next race to go compete. And, uh, and I won my first race as a, it was a beginner class, right? An amateur, mm -hmm. but that started a, a pretty kind of long career in jet ski racing. I, I raced jet skis all the way up through the amateur ranks and uh, turned professional. Um, I raced for several of the manufacturers all during my uh, college years and, uh, 
won several national championships and also a world championship in that sport. And, um, yeah, yeah. And then, so that uh, obviously I was, uh, you know, heavily involved with competing, you know, from a young age and, and so is my dad. Right. And, uh, yeah. um, it, yeah. And then I, you know, that sport is what got me into the business I'm in. Um, I was racing jet skis while I was going to college at the university of Tennessee and, uh, for some of the manufacturers. And, you know, when you race for the manufacturers, you're, you're around all of the sales and marketing, you know, uh, professionals, uh, cause you know, racing is an extension of marketing. And we got to, uh, found out, you know, through those connections that, uh, American Honda was looking for an accepting dealer applications, uh, in East Tennessee. They, you know, they had an open point. So they called it where they were missing some market share and mm-hmm. were looking for a new dealer. And, and, uh, you know, they, the, one of the national dealer managers was talking to me at, you know, one of the jet ski races, like, Hey, you're from East Tennessee, right? I'm like, yeah, you know, going to school, you know, going to college. And so, well, Hey, if you know anyone that would be, you know, fit and would like to apply to be a dealership, you know, a Honda dealership, we're looking, we're accepting applications. And I didn't think anything of it, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to go back to college now. Right. Yep. You know, and um, I had a uh, kind of like an intro to entrepreneurship class at business school there at Tennessee. And the whole purpose of the class was to write a business plan. Uh, you know, you spent the whole semester on it and you presented it, you know, at the end of the semester to the professor in your class. And my dad encouraged me, he goes, hey, why don't you write it on, you know, that motorcycle dealership? You already know there's a there's a business case for it. Honda's accepting applications. And why don't you research and, you know, put in the work to see what it would take to how you would, you know, open a motorcycle shop in East Tennessee mm-hmm. at dealership. And uh, so I did that as that school assignment. I, I sought out uh, a friend of our family friend who owned a Yamaha Kawasaki store there in Knoxville. And that's who we bought our jet skis from. And I, I asked that gentleman, Hey, can I like come hang out at your dealership? Could you take me under your wing? And like, I'm, you know, I'm working on this business plan and you know, for, for my school project. And, uh, and he was great. His name is Charlie Jansing. He took me under his wing. I spent like all the semester there at his dealership, you know, trying to learn as much as I could about what it took to build them and operate them and capitalize them and all of the things. And, uh, so I wrote this business plan. I got a good score on it there in school. And, and, uh, my dad pushed me, he goes, Hey, why don't you like, what if you just submitted it to Honda? Like just send it in, you know, see, see what it, you know, what's the worst that could happen. And I literally just thought it was a joke, but I, I, I did it. You know, I, I called up that, you know, uh, national sales manager. I'm like, hey, man, where do you go to like submit these applications for that dealership? And, it's, you know, he kind of jokingly, you know, told me the website to go to. And and I submitted it. And, man, I, I got a call back and said, uh, hey, Ryan, we we really liked your business plan. And uh, we would like to invite you to California for the second round of the process for an interview with our team. And uh, I couldn't believe it. And they were, they were like, hey, the only thing about your, your, your plan that isn't kosher is you have zero experience. Uh, and uh, <laughs> one, of our, uh, one of our prerequisites is you need to have an equity partner that has previous dealership, uh, either general management or ownership um, uh, experience. And uh, you don't have one of those. So if you could find a partner, we'd love to have you out to California. Um, so I called back Charlie, the guy who took me under his wing. And I'm like, hey, man. Uh, do you want to be my partner in like a Honda motorcycle dealership? I got an approval from Honda and I would love for you to partner with me. And he was like, you know, no way. He's, he submitted an application and he was uh, turned down. He didn't get to the next <laughs> no stage. Way. And uh, I'm like, well, you can be my partner, you know? 
Um, and uh, that was the start. That's how we got the business. Charlie agreed to be my partner. He was a minority partner in the deal. And uh, we opened a Honda motorcycle dealership in um, the year 2000, uh, started construction in 1999. I was still in college at the University of Tennessee, uh, working there, you know, on my off days of class and in the summertime. I was racing jet skis uh, as well at the time. And uh, you know, here now we stayed in that business 20, what is it? One years later, 22 years later, almost where we've really grown that business. Mm -hmm. Um, that's mountain motorsports, a lot right? of acquisitions and we're, we're now the second largest, uh, retailer of motorcycles and, and jet skis on planet earth. Um, and, wow. uh, so, uh, it's been a really fun business that started from a passion of racing and, uh, still own and operate it. Uh, my best friend, uh, since grade school, he, uh, partnered, uh, he was one of the founding partners as well. Uh, he still runs a business, uh, with me today. So, um, yeah, that's a story that I guess a long-winded story about my childhood, but also kind of how we got into the business that we're in. Very cool. And that's, that's mountain motorsports. Yeah, correct. Yep. That's uh, sounds like you got your return on on your time in college. That's legit. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, incredible. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, my undergrad was more like a uh, you, you know a graduate school program, right? Because I was uh, you know working you know, while I was taking accounting classes. I you know I had an accounting team, right? And I was <laughs> I was learning you know really learning what a real you know balance sheet was comprised of, and and so on and so forth. So it was uh, it was a real hands on you know learning environment for me. So is that what you got your undergrad in? You said in accounting. No, not in accounting, just in general. I did business management. Um, gotcha. So, you know, but, uh, you know, a lot of accounting classes, you know, part of it, but, you know, just, yeah. I just have a, a bachelor's in uh, business management. Gotcha. Gotcha. Very cool. That's, that's such a cool exercise. That's, a, um, you know, it's, it's funny now when we think about the education system, I think the critiques that we hear a lot is that we, there's not an exposure to real life skills that are going to serve us after we graduate. Right. No. Sounds like that worked out pretty darn well for you, um, but that's amazing that you were able to put that together in college with everything else that you had going on, and then you were ultimately selected to to move on. I'm sure you beat out a lot of people that probably had a lot of lot of experience in the industry, and um, yeah. it's that's a that's a huge I, I think light into the natural talent that maybe you had just as an entrepreneur. That's that's yeah. really cool. So if we take your story there, I guess and move on. How did we get into how did we get into racing cars? Can you connect those dots for us? Yeah, yeah. My, uh, I guess the first real passion started from my my mother. Actually, my my mom. Uh, she grew up around the NASCAR circuit. Her father, my grandfather, was a mechanic and uh, eventually made it up to car chief on a um, all the way up to a NASCAR team. They started. She grew up in Georgia, um, around Athens, Georgia, and and he had a small team that just raced like kind of local, regional round track races in the southeast and. Um, eventually made it up to NASCAR. I mean, he was racing uh, like at Daytona back when they raced around the beach, <laughs> you wow. know, in, uh, in Daytona a long time ago. So my mom just grew up around racing cars and and uh, just always had a love for it. And in her later, I mean, when she was in her um, 40s, her upper 40s and 50s, she got into racing herself. She went and took, did some racing schools. It was way later in life, obviously, for her. Kids were kind of, uh, this was kind of when I was going to college where kids were, my sister and I were off to school and out of the house. And she went back and decided, man, I'm going to give racing a real shot now. And so yeah. kind of in her retirement ages, she got into uh, round track racing. She did uh, Legends Car Racing and then also uh, Pro Challenge, which was kind of like, a scaled down version of a NASCAR truck. So she mm -hmm. was doing 
uh, round track racing and man, she, she had a knack for it, man. She did really well. She, she actually won a national championship wow. uh, in the women's division, uh, in legends cars. And, uh, so, um, so I was going and like watching her and supporting her. I was still real young in my entrepreneurship journey. So I didn't get to spend a lot of time around it. You know, I, in car racing, it's something, there's really two kind of paths to get there, right? You either at a high level, right? You either start at age four or five in a go-kart and you spend your entire adolescence in a go-kart and then graduate into, you know, different levels of open wheel cars and ultimately end up maybe in something like a Mazda Miata. And then there's, there's, there's a big uh, stair-step ladder and, or, right? It's comprised of people who waited till late in life, right? And could, uh, could afford to, to buy a race car of their own and then, and then go and learn how to drive it, right? Yeah. Um, I fell into that latter category, right? <laughs> you know, and usually guys, you know, my age that come into the sport very late, um, that, you know, there's no way that they can make up that uh, lost time competing against guys who were, you know, on four wheels racing competitively since they were, you know, a young child. And so um, I'm kind of the anomaly in that, you know, kind of where I've made it in, in the sport for coming into it very late. I didn't drive a, a racing car till uh, the year 2015. And uh, wow. I just gotten to a point where I, you know, had some time, you know, our business was really running well. I had great, you know, uh, co-founders, partners and, and executive management team, you know, you know, I put a little more of the day-to-day, you know, management of the business on them. And I, you know, had some time to really divide. If I do anything, I want to do it at an extremely high level. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I started at the very bottom. I went and did a school, went and did a, you know, high performance driving school. Then I went and did a racing school. Um, then you got to go through a process to get your FIA, you know, drivers, you know, racing license. Um, I did that. And my first, I spent all of 2015 and and 2016, uh, going through those, um, uh, you know, schools and and license requirements. And 2017 was my first year, uh, competitive doing, you know, wheel to wheel racing. And I've been in it, you know, ever since. That's awesome. Um, that, that's so cool to me that your mom went back at age, like, you know, into her forties and fifties and said, I'm going to go compete as a, as a driver at this point, your parents, I'm getting, I'm getting the sense that your parents are very competitive people. Yeah. 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 Both. Um, my dad, super highly competitive. Uh, my mom, she's pretty easy going, you know, I mean, she, she raced obviously as competitive, but she was, you know, she didn't get too fired up if she did really well or didn't do too bad, you know? So I'd say she's competitive, but you know, not quite to the level that my dad and I are, um, you know, yeah. we're, uh, I, I mean, gosh, and I, and I see it in my sons too now. I mean, yeah, I don't know if it's a, yeah, it's a good thing. You know, I think, you know, you have to manage that, right. You know, the competitiveness, I see it in yeah. my youngest boy right now. He is like, I mean, everything is a competition of how fast, you know, he can walk across the room or how fast he can eat his dinner or not, or what, you know, and like, yep. hey, man, we gotta, we gotta channel this a little bit, you know, it's a good <laughs> thing, but you know, we gotta keep it in check, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're a competitive family. That's for sure. That's, that's so cool. Um, and then, so you obviously, you know, this is, you've done really well. Like you, like you mentioned, you had a big win earlier this year down in Daytona. And, uh, I saw the, one of the, the, I, the, the way I actually found out that you won was I saw the message that Sal from First Forum sent you where he's, you know, mm-hmm. talking you up and he turns around. He's got the whole team meeting behind <laughs> you. He's probably like the Monday morning staff meeting. I thought that was awesome. I got chill bumps watching that video. I yeah. thought that was so cool. How yeah. did you get plugged in with, with the guys over at First Forum? 
Yeah, that 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 video that was one of the more special moments of my life. I'll probably remember that. That, that was on Monday morning after following the race, following the the Rolex twenty four hour win. But uh, yeah, gosh, uh, the guys at First Form, obviously you know about them. The company, I don't have to say much. I mean, they're uh, got a shirt on. Uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. he's and, paid. Uh, that's it. Um, they, they're truly, truly an unbelievable uh, organization built by you know unbelievable people, right? You know, just mm-hmm. genuine, genuine good people. And uh, how I I first met I first met Andy. Uh, first met Andy through another acquaintance uh, uh, that knew the two of us connected us. You know, it was one of those deals like, hey Ryan, you should really you know meet Andy Purcell. Andy, you should meet this guy Ryan. And it was through cars, right? You know, mm-hmm. Andy's obviously a huge car guy, big car collector, yep. very passionate about cars. I have a very big sickness of, <laughs> of collecting cars and, uh, you know, it's a contagious deal. And, um, and so, yeah, our friend connected us, you know, just like through DMS on Instagram. And this was way back in, gosh, I don't know, 2014 before I even really got into car racing at all. And we just, you know, we're talking about different cars that we enjoyed and stuff, getting to talk about our businesses uh, I wasn't familiar with First Form at the time. You know, I literally kind of knew Andy before. Really, I knew about his brand and his and the, the business. And and we started finding out we had so much in common. Just as mm-hmm. our you know speaking, we actually both started our businesses the exact same year in 1999. You know, I wow. was in school. Andy was you know just got out of high school, and mm-hmm. um, uh, you, you know he he started with a retail front store, uh, supplement super stores. Um, you know, one brick and mortar facility that obviously grew from there. And, uh, you know, we were building the first motorcycle dealership where um, we're the exact same age. <laughs> you know, we grew up, you know, all around the same times and things. Uh, and so we just had a lot in common. And, and um, I remember I, I just got so enthralled with, you know, Andy's message at the time. He was just kind of growing his you know, um, entrepreneurship, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, platform and so forth. And, yep. uh, just the, the, his first podcast was just kind of getting off the ground, the, the MFCEO project. And I invited, I said, Hey man, Andy, I would love for you to come to Atlanta, uh, to come speak to my sales team at, at mountain motorsports. I just, you know, I, I just love your message. Your enthusiasm is contagious. Uh, you know, would you want to do that? And Andy really wasn't doing much any public speaking at the time. It was, I won't say it's one of his first deals, but it was an early public speaking thing for him. And he came, mm-hmm. he saw our dealerships, spoke to all of our staff at the time. And, uh, and he really kind of had a, it really heightened his respect, I think, for what we do and, you know, and the size and scale of our business. And he asked the same of me. It's like, Ryan, I would love for you to come to St. Louis and, you know, see our operation and, you know, give me some thoughts about how you grew and scaled your business. And so we really just had a great connection from, you know, our business lives, you know, at first. And um, that that friendship, you know, evolved over the years. And as I started getting into car racing, I wait out you know, he was watching it, you know, I was just doing it on my own. My cars had just mountain motorsports on them to start. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and he was the first one to ask me, he's like, Hey man, like that, that, that car, right. That's pretty awesome. Like, you know, <laughs> well, it, it, I think that would be a good fit for first form. Maybe we could get involved in some way. Um, and yeah, it just, it grew into now. I mean, he's a, he's a major, he's the major supporter of our program and, uh, you know, our, our program here in North America with Porsche and, uh, started with Lamborghini and then we went over to Porsche, but, uh, yeah, he is literally, he and Sal are the greatest, you know, sponsors that a racer could have, you know, from a financial and branding standpoint, but then also, uh, what goes even far beyond that is just their friendship. Right. And, mm-hmm. and kind of what we all know in racing, 
there's highs and lows, right? I mean, there's, there's peaks and there's valleys and mm-hmm. there I'll say they're honestly even better, like for me personally, like during the valleys, right. You yeah. know, when I'm, I've, I've been at some points where I was like, man, I've bitten off more than I can chew here. You know, I've, this yep. is maybe a little too much, you know, and both Andy and Sal have been instrumental in, you know, kind of keeping my head on straight and competing, you know, right at this level. And, um, and then obviously in all the good times, right. Like the Daytona win, they, they, <laughs> they have the power and reach to do some amazing things, right. They'd shot yep. a whole big, uh, documentary this year about Daytona and, uh, and stuff. And it turned out exceptionally well. Their media team is, is truly uh, uh, unbelievable at what they do. And um, so, yeah, they're just, they're great friends, uh, you know, unbelievable sponsors, but uh, more than anything else, just unbelievable human people really. Yeah. That's, that's so cool to hear a little bit of a peek behind the curtain from them. Cause they're, they're both Andy obviously is very much out in front of the camera a lot. You can find him anywhere. Sal has really been sharing a lot more over the last year or so. And I've just re I love following both of them. I learned so much from them. Is there anything that stands out to you as like a lesson that you've learned from them? Maybe something that you've just admired about them or that you respect specifically about them that you kind of carry with you, whether it's in your business or with your family or, or in your life in general. Yeah, I'd say Andy probably more so on the on the business standpoint, uh, right? You know, I, I always I'll say the I would say the largest lesson that I truly learned and took to heart from Andy, um, and he speaks a lot about this. But I knew what core core values were. We had some core values at our business, but we weren't. Um, utilizing them in the best way is what Andy really did. Andy was the first one that like cemented what core values should be for an organization, how they should be communicated and how they should be used to, to grow a culture in an organization. And I mean, I, I thought I knew what a good culture was and I thought I knew what having a shared set of values were, but wasn't until I went to St. Louis and I saw, you know, Andy interact with his team and I saw how, how much emphasis he put on, on core values and, and, and culture. Um, and, and I quickly realized I really wasn't that great at, at culture and stuff. Right. And that was a huge help for our business and organization. And we, and we learned that directly from Andy personally. Um, I'll say on more of the family front from my time with Sal, uh, I mean, Sal is obviously also is an unbelievable operator from the business. I mean, Sal for is president of first form. He, he genuinely runs the business. Andy kind of runs the business of Andy. Now it's, it's, that's so big. Yeah. Um, and Sal really runs the day-to-day operations of first form. So he's an unbelievable operator, but I'll say even more than that, I've learned a lot from Sal on, uh, being, uh, being a great dad and being a great husband. I, I went through those times of, you know, workaholic, like you were talking about, right. You know, just mm-hmm. spending, you know, way too much time, you know, away from my family than with them. And Sal really taught me a lot about, you know, uh, dedicating barriers to your time in that from this time to this time, you know, the phone is off. It mm-hmm. is not present. I'm, you know, this is, he, he devotes uh, different times of the day to his wife. It's just one-on-one time with Sal and his wife. He devotes time, obviously, to his family, to his children. And, mm-hmm. and these times are not to be interrupted by anyone, any means. I mean, if the president called, you know, Sal's not answering the phone, right, during those yep. times. And, and I really learned that from Sal and, and uh, did a better job of instituting it, you know, in my life. So I, I've learned a lot of great things from both of those guys. I truly have. Very cool. So I want to rewind. We mentioned the big win that you had down in Daytona. Can yeah. you bring us into that moment when you're you're pulling into the winner's circle and 
your wife's there, your kids are there to greet you. Like how, how exciting is that to get to see, especially your kids get to see their dad accomplish something like that to see, you know, the years of work come to fruition. You're sitting there in the, in the winter circle. Like, can you just bring us into that moment and share a little bit about like what's going on in your head at that time? Yeah, that, I mean, that race was special for many reasons. Uh, just, I mean, any one, you know, that race has happened a little over 50 years now. I think it's in its like 53rd anniversary. So it, any of those 50 some odd years that anyone has won, it's a special moment, right? I mean, mm -hmm. there are people in our sport that have competed. Uh, the, the team manager of our team, right, uh, the, and our chief engineer, both of these guys have been competing at that series for 28 years. They have been at Daytona 28 times, and mm -hmm. they have not won. They've gotten some podiums, and they've been top fives, and they've been knocked out, but they've never won the 24-hour. And here in their 29th year, they finally won it, right? You know, to, so, so you see, like, how many people dedicate their whole lives to trying to win that race. Mm -hmm. And um, to, to do it at any point in time is an amazing thing. And obviously, I had, you know, like you said, my wife, my, my kids were there, my parents were there. Uh, and, you know, it was, it was special and that would be special at any time for my story. It was even quite a bit, I would say even more unique and special. The, the previous year at that same race, um, mm -hmm. we were a, a contender. We were one of the favorites to be in contention for winning a year ago. And, uh, there was lots of pressure. I mean, we were kind of like the main team from Porsche, lots of eyes on us, you know, Porsches of takes racing very seriously. And so mm -hmm. it was my, you know, probably first time, like kind of really feeling some of the, some of the heat, some of the pressure on our back the previous year from that, we finished second in the championship, you know, nearly won the thing. So we were, a, we were a front runner, right? Lots of high expectations. And I was out in the car in Daytona on uh, the first practice day, um, you know, trying to find the limit, pushing the limit. You know, uh, we were running right in the top three. And I tried to do something that just physically wasn't possible in the car at that time. But again, I'm, I'm, young, I'm new in the sport. I'm trying to find where is the line, right? You got to, you know, to find the line, you got to go over it. And, uh, and I went over it and uh, I had a massive crash. I had a big crash um, in the back stretch uh, exiting the bus stop. And I uh, hit into a concrete wall. It's one of the few places around Daytona that there isn't like a soft barrier because normally on the NASCAR track, it's a straightaway. But for us, we have a chicane into it. And anyway, I hit right in the front of the car at about 160 some odd miles an hour. And, you know, there was whiplash. And anyway, uh, I, I got knocked out in the car. And uh, uh, I don't remember any, I don't remember, you know, about, 30 minutes prior to the incident. And my first memory is I woke up in, in the ambulance. Um, they, you know, cut me out of the car, got me out and I'm going to the hospital. And, um, you know, so it was one of those come to like, wait, where am I? What's, what's going on? And, um, I had a pretty bad head injury. I, I had a, um, a, a, um, a TBI, a traumatic brain injury. Um, there was, my brain was swelling and I had bleeding on my brain and, you know, and I didn't realize, I was like, maybe I have a concussion or something like everything's going to yeah. be fine. But I could, I could, I didn't have balance standing up. I mean, when I got to the hospital, I was like, no, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be fine. Like, it's fine. You know, and yeah. they're like, no, sir, like, you're not leaving here for a while. Like you need to, you need to lay down. So, uh, I was in the hospital for several days and then there was about a three month, uh, recovery, you know, program with, uh, you know, the neuro, you know, teams and, uh, um, uh, you know, with, uh, with the head injury and stuff. And yep. 
So obviously that was a point in time that my wife was like, you know, she got a call. She still hadn't come to the race yet. She was at home in Atlanta because uh, mm-hmm. this was just during a practice session during the week. And uh, she got a call, you know, saying, hey, Ryan's in the hospital. Who's my dad. You know, he's playing it down. It's like Ryan's in the hospital. Like he's going to be fine, you know. And uh, but of course, you know, as a wife, right, she just yeah. freaked out. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, so we definitely had those were the conversations that, hey, I think maybe we've done a little too much here. Right. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, this is you know, we pushed it too far. This is too high of a level. You know, you're asking too much of yourself. And you know, for those uh, probably three, almost four months, I was doing a lot of questioning where, whether if I wanted to stay in the sport or not. So um, ultimately, Andy pushed me a lot too. You know, I yeah. mean, those were one of the times that he really picked me up. I went to St. Louis, I went over to visit him and I'm like, Hey man, I just, I don't think I can do this, you know, anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, yeah, I could really hurt myself or, or, or worse. Right. You know? And, um, and, and he told me, it's like, dude, I'll support you in whatever you want to do. You don't want to do it. Like, bro, we just won't do it. You know, we'll, we'll put another driver in the car or whatever. Like, you know, mm-hmm. he was like, you know, but you know, Andy was like, but <laughs> I do think you're the best for our team. Like I believe in you. Right. And I believe yeah. that you can do it. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, yeah, ultimately, we, I, I, I'm a very good salesman. I, I sold my wife into uh, <laughs> uh, that same belief that Andy had. Um, you know, I'm not quite sure if she believed as, as much as Andy did, but um, uh, got back in the car last year, kind of fought our way back into the championship and uh, last year. And so this year at Daytona was my first time coming back there. The last time I walked on that track, I left in an ambulance. Right. And uh, so to come back the very next year from that injury where I literally just about, you know, quit the sport Mm -hmm. uh, to then one, just to line up and compete, man, there was some nervousness going through that section of the track. It's the highest speed section. My, I remember the first few times in practice, I was like, Oh, Oh oh boy. (laughs) And and then to come back and later that weekend to win the race. I mean, it was like a storybook kind of deal. Right. So there was a lot of emotions, right. From my kids, right. Obviously my wife, you know, to, uh, to be able to conquer that mountain. Yeah. So, I mean, there's just, I mean, thinking about that, how, how, you know, having a brain injury like that, there's obviously an inherent level of risk driving a car that fast around some tight turns with a bunch like in traffic, it's madness when you're watching it, right? It's crazy. There's some risk in there. Is that something that now, I mean, you've, you've come through this, you've had this, you've conquered on the other side, you had the injury, you came back, you won, but is it still something that risk? Is there like a fear? Is there anything that you think about maybe differently? Like, I'm just thinking about if I'm getting strapped in to go drive that car and I know I've had this injury in the past and you know, I'm thinking about my kids and stuff like that. Like, is that something you're still conscious of or anything you've had to work through with that? Or do you feel that was last free? year? That was last year. Uh, you know, I made it through it. You know, you, I mean, truthfully at the, at the end of the day, the car did its job for the most part, right. It saved me. I, I, you know, um, I, you know, was down there for a few months, but I rehabilitated and the cars are, the cars are meant to crash. I mean, they're built yeah. around driver safety and, uh, you know, um, my injury, I'll tell you, got, I got a lot of study, you know, from, from NASCAR and IMSA, uh, the organizations that run our, our racing series. And they were really mm-hmm. studying everything from the helmet to the impact of the car. The car went back to Porsche. Porsche really designed, you know, dug into how the car, you know, reacted from the crash and anything they could do better to, you know, uh, preempted. So there is tons of safety in our sport. I mean, that's what it's all about. And so I, I have a high level of confidence in, in the car, our team, the preparation. And even if there's a super bad accident, you know, that I'm going to be okay. Right. You know, yeah. and, uh, 
so I just carry that with me and I just, I still have more, uh, want to accomplish in the sport. And yeah. so I'm, uh, I'm dedicated. There'll be a time when I click off all the box. I've accomplished a lot in a short period of time, but there's still a little bit more that I, that I'd like to accomplish before I step away. And I want to step away when I want to step away, not mm-hmm. because of a crash, it, you know, um, it's just not my deal now. Yeah. The, the illustration that your kids get to watch of you have that moment where, where it's, you know, it's not looking good brain injury, but you battle back, you come back, you come back, you conquer and you do it well. And then you continue on from there. There's, there's just, I mean, the amount of lessons that are in there for your kids to not be told about, but to be able to see their dad have overcome something like that. It's, I mean, that's a gift to them, man. That's, that's unbelievable. And now remind me, how old are they? You've got two boys, got, right? Yeah, I've got two boys. Uh, one is nine, another's four. Both of them just about to have some birthdays coming up here. Gotcha, gotcha. And you've got them racing on the dirt bikes already? Yeah, yeah. My nine-year-old, he's really into it. I mean, he and he's at the right age, right? You know, and uh, he is super into the dirt bikes. He's he started with some of the go-karting, but he prefers the two wheels. He, yeah. he, he really likes the dirt bike. And, uh, uh, and then my youngest, I mean, at four, he's just like, he's got a little pedal like a little e uh electric dirt bike that yeah. he just kind of puts around the yard and he he doesn't have the best balance yet <laughs> you know we're working <laughs> on that but he's getting there i mean four is a little young but really they kind of come into their own around five to six on on the dirt bikes you know so yeah he'll be right behind him he's uh the youngest one's all about the the competition he wants to race anything whether it's a foot race or a uh, go-kart or what anything he, he is big time on on racing and competition so he'll he'll have no problem uh, when it when his body can catch up to his mind you know? yeah that's got to be cool for you as a dad to watch your sons kind of follow in your footsteps a little bit at least from a young age just from an interest standpoint they're kind of following in the same path that you came up in What's that been yeah, like? Yeah, I, I try not to be one of those dads really pushing. We see it a lot around dirt bikes and the motocross scene. You see these yeah. dads like really hard on their kids, pushing their kids to do a, a dangerous sport that maybe the kid's not that into, but the dad mm-hmm. is sort of trying to like, you know, relive his dreams through the, the kid. You see it all the time and it's sad, mm-hmm. right? And I, I tell my boys, you know, I'm like, hey, man, you guys choose whatever. I want you to do something. I, my deal is I want you to be athletic. We're not going to sit on the couch and watch our iPads and play video games all day. Mm-hmm. You can choose anything you want to do. I don't care what it is. I'll be there for the games. You're going to do it. Like my oldest also, he's into lacrosse and yeah. uh, really into it. I never played lacrosse. I know nothing about it. I've literally have gone on YouTube to like learn fundamentals so I could play in the backyard with them. But, um, yeah. and, and we go, we're, we're big time into lacrosse right now, you know, yeah. but they have each, well, especially the nine-year-old, he's chosen dirt bikes on his own and he really mm-hmm. enjoys it. And I, you know, I'm obviously able to lend a hand and even his, his grandfather, my dad, he comes riding with us and you yeah. know, he really enjoys, you know, spending time with him with that as well. So yeah, we're fortunate that he's, uh, he's taken his own kind of liking to it. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. Do you have any worry in your mind, I guess, maybe that he might feel the pressure to live up to the level of success that you've had just racing. I mean, whether it's dirt bikes, jet skis or cars or whatever it is, do you feel like there's a, maybe some pressure on him or, or how are you approaching that? I guess with him. Yeah, I, I'm nervous about it. I, I don't want him to put that undue pressure. That's something I did not have. And uh, um, but I, I do have uh, several friends that have been more successful than I am in racing that are that are raising children as well. And I, I have several, you know, uh, close friends that I call on, you know, for advice oh, yeah. on some of that. Right. Some big NASCAR guys, IndyCar guys and 
you know, and you see their, their kids, uh, some of them have had really good success stories, you know, about, you know, their kids handling the pressure and some have had some bad stories, right. You know, so Mm -hmm. I'm trying to learn from others who've come before me who are more successful than what I've been. And, uh, because I just don't want it to be a, um, a stressful burdensome thing on on, uh, boys. I want them to find whatever sport that may be, whether it's racing or lacrosse or whatever, and, and, and enjoy it and find their own way, you know, in the sport. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, but, uh, I know it'll come up. It'll be a thing. It has been for several of my IndyCar and NASCAR friends. So um, I'm uh, I'm very conscious of it at this stage. But they're they're so young right now. There's no pride. They're just like ah, you know, we're, you know, we're going, you know. So it, but it will be, you know, in the coming yeah. years. Yeah, um, man, that's that's awesome. It sounds like you you've got your your mind in a great spot handling that. And you know, I think the lesson there is just whatever whatever stage you are at with your kids whether it's this lesson you're trying to, or, you know, situation you're trying to navigate or literally anything else. I think just having peers who are maybe a little bit ahead of you, maybe they're right along, you know, in line with you that you can lean on, you can bump ideas against, you can just kind of gauge where you're at with them. Just having, having close friends like that, man, to go through stuff like this, especially as dads, because we're all doing this live. Like we're all doing this on the go. There is no playbook. We're all figuring it out as we go. So um, I think that's a great point that you made there. Um, so I want to transition here to the last couple questions that I ask, um, just about everybody that comes on the show. I want to make sure I get at, get you out of here and be respectful of your time. So, um, question number one, um, what is something that most people don't know about Ryan Hardwick? Uh, man, I don't know. I mean, my life is pretty, pretty <laughs> in the, these days of social media, pretty in the, in the open. Um, uh, Gosh, I don't, I don't know, man. I'm I'm as about as uh, you know honest and upfront of a of a guy. My life is very simple. It's consumed with cars and and racing and my family. It's that's <laughs> about it. Um, I um, I don't know, man. I, I really I don't know. I I I can't stand eggs. That's one thing I don't eat. There you go. That's wow. Probably a lot of people. Not, uh, you know, I'm a very health conscious person. I love healthy foods, and uh, uh-huh. but I cannot eat an, an egg, no matter how much, what way it's prepared. Anything. I don't know. It's a silly thing, but <laughs> I'm trying to think of something that nobody knows. I, hey, we'll uh, take I it. Not, I do not like eggs. If I come over to your house, no eggs for breakfast. Gosh, you know? I'll have to take that off the menu. That's what I eat for <laughs> breakfast every day. So I'll we'll come up with an alternative uh, if yeah. I get the chance to have you over. Question number two. What are you the most proud of to this point in your life? And uh, my only ask is that your answer is something other than your family. Mm, uh, well, I was going to say, yeah, they're, uh, you know, but family's the obvious answer. Um, for me, obviously, there's a lot of racing things, but I can truly say that the business that myself and my best friend created, we still own to this day. We grew it from, you know, a couple of college kids in East Tennessee to now we employ a little over 300 employees spread across three states. We have created um, millionaires uh, in our business that came to us earning, you know, less than $50,000 a year. Mm -hmm. Um, We we have uh, a great number of those uh, 304 employees are all the the highest paid, highest earning, you know, people in their families, you know, that their, their families have ever had. And so uh, seeing how much success we have created for uh, a lot of people um, internally, and then also all the amount of customers we've served, right? We sell a product that allows families 
to go spend time together outdoors. I mean, that's what we sell. We don't, you know, we sell jet skis on the lake and, you know, side-by-sides and ATVs and dirt bikes that it requires multiple people to go to do it, right? You do it mm-hmm. with other people. Most people tend to do these sports with their families. So from the, um, you know, literally, you, you know, hundreds of thousands of vehicles we've sold over our career, uh, you know, helping families spend time with each other. And then the amount of success and wealth we've created for our team members, um, that's probably what I'm most proud of uh, outside of, uh, obviously, my, my great family. Yep. Love it. All right. Last question. This question has to do with the word legacy. So legacy is something that we see a lot. We hear a lot about it, especially on social media, generational wealth, dollars in the bank account, names on buildings, all these things get kind of get tied into that word legacy a lot from what we see on social media. When I think about legacy, I think about the people that mean the most to me here on earth. And I think about the people that God willing, I will one day leave behind here on earth. So within both of those buckets fall my kids. So when I think about legacy, I think about the moments, the memories, the little, the little experiences, like the little memories that my kids hopefully will, will have of me, you know, when I, God willing, one day leave them behind on this earth. So through that lens, if I turn that around and say, Ryan, what do you want your legacy to be with, with your two boys? How would you answer that question? Yeah, I think you said it all really well, right? You know, you want to um, build long lasting memories, right? You know, I I want my boys to know that I was there, right? You know, I want them to, you know, um, you know, if a day comes and I'm long gone, they'll look back and say, man, dad was, he was there. He was present. He, you know, was with me when I was down. He was with me when I was up and, and he was just, he was there. You know, we see so much now of, these dads that just aren't there. And I've been very blessed to, that my kids have come along at during a time that I, I can afford the time to, to be there. So, um, yeah, and I just I just try to be a positive person. Right. I, I think about it a lot. You know, we talk about it sometimes with our you know team members and I talk about it, you know, with uh, with other family members of mine, my sister and, and, and her family. You know, you, you what do you want people to say, you know, at your funeral? What will people say after you're gone? Right. You know, it was, uh, you know, did this did this person truly leave a lasting impact and, you know, have a positive change, you know, positive impact on the world? And so that's that's what I just try to focus on. I hope people will will uh, look at my you know body of work <laughs> and uh, you, you know whether it be racing or, or family or business and say like man Ryan really left things a little better than than what he found them you know so that's my that's my focus every day when I get up is to just try to uh, be uh, a positive effect on anyone or any person I come in contact uh, with. Love it. Man, thank you so much for making some time for us today. Where's the best place to uh, to find you, follow you? Where do you want to send people? Uh, probably, I mean, Instagram is the easiest and best thing, right? You know, uh, I don't do a whole lot on Facebook or the other, you know, channels, but Instagram has been great for uh, allowing the, uh, you know, all the insights into family life and, you know, with the stories and so forth. And then obviously all the, you know, the, the posts and stuff with racing. So, uh, yeah. Instagram is the easiest way. It's, um, you know, my tag's just my name and, and 16, so uh, racing number. But uh, yeah, follow along with all our crazy adventures there. Good stuff. We will link it up. Ryan Hardwick, thank you so much again for making the time for us today, man. This has been an awesome conversation. And uh, man, we'll stay in touch. We'll talk soon. All right, cool, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody. That's it. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, do me a huge favor and subscribe to the show or leave us a rating and review. 
We can't thank you enough for your support. Until next time, remember to love and lead from the front. See you.